For the News and Observer, I'm Don Bong, Capitol Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome, and you're listening to our latest episode for the week of November 20th, 2023. Or if you weren't listening Thanksgiving week, you're listening November 27th, 2023. Uh, we're going to take a break of recording Thanksgiving week, so this will have to last you two weeks, so we're going to pack a lot into it. I'm here today with my colleagues, Avi Bajpai and Kyle Ingram from our politics team, and we're going to look ahead to the primary elections Filing hasn't even started yet. It's coming soon, but there are people that have been in the race forever. If you think about Josh Stein running for governor, Mark Robinson running for governor, and some people that are just getting in or out. Uh, so the latest news as we're recording this is uh, State Representative Trisha Cotham, the Republican who switched from Democrat, has decided what she's doing, confirmed for her future. So Ivy, you had just written about that. Yeah, pretty, pretty big news. Uh Right now, as of the time when we're recording, uh, Trisha Cotham, she switched parties. She delivered Republicans the last seat they needed, the 72nd seat in the House, to have a supermajority. And basically, as soon as she switched, they, there were a slew of veto overrides. Republicans uh, defeated 19 of Governor Cooper's vetoes this session, which is pretty remarkable. So, uh, yeah, we, we were able to confirm uh, that Representative Cotham, she's going to run for re-election from this new recently redrawn district in southeastern Mecklenburg County, which leans more conservative. Uh, it has her hometown of Mitt Hill. It has parts of Matthews, but it's House District one, uh, 105. Um, so she she plans to run for re-election, which is uh, you know, kind of notable because there has been intense speculation since mm -hmm. April about her future. So. And that, that district leans Republican, but it's still pretty competitive, right? It's Yeah, it's the... I don't think it's a sure thing. It's mm -hmm. it's 52% leading Republican, 45% Democratic. So it's not a blowout race. Right. Um, it's fairly competitive, but it's still uh, it's still a Republican leading district in Mecklenburg County, which is which is uh, pretty remarkable. I think when she switched parties, everybody thought, well, what is she gonna? She's definitely not gonna win re-election as a. a Republican in that same district, so they knew that the state lawmakers would draw her either a favorable House district or if she wanted to run for Congress. And it looked like that path was there if she had wanted to run in one of those um, those Southern districts. But that would have been a much harder fight, yes. I think, yeah. because she's got to not only convince Republicans to vote, well, Republicans who remember when she was a Democrat and maybe didn't like that she used to be a yeah. Democrat. And in a primary, if there was someone that they felt was more Republican, longtime Republican that they could have had instead, and then just whatever, you know, the attacks during a, during a general, I think. Well, there could still be a conservative primary opponent in this legislative race as well. But I mean, considering it's Mecklenburg, they might want a more moderate Republican. But I think that we could definitely see something competitive there as well. Seems like her biggest issue, uh, you know, even when she was a Democrat just these past few years, has been school choice, which is kind of that catch-all phrase for supporting um, charter school expansions, yeah. which, of course, are publicly funded schools that are but don't have the same rules as traditional public schools, and then the opportunity scholarships for private schools, which was probably her big political win, I'd say, this session, do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's something that she... Uh, was kind of made like the the face of that whole that whole project that whole effort. And she wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. but but re leadership kind of uh, was happy to let her kind of be the face of that and champion that cause for Republican voters. So as far as they're concerned, it, that was a fairly big legislative win for them. That might be the the 
highest profile name state house or senate race that we've seen so far of course it's so early what do you all mm. think i mean i think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with terrence everett he's in a much more competitive district now of course he uh raised the ire of house speaker tim moore after calling for an investigation to allege sexual favors um and since then he's been moved to a basement office and drawn into a much more competitive district so that'll be fun interesting to watch and we've got even as you all are listening to this, we record this on on Friday and you're listening Monday or if you're listening a week later over the weekend, even, you know, people decide before Thanksgiving what they're going to do with their future. If they decide to run for something else or retire, or run again, or or maybe they're going to wait until they're full of turkey or whatever they eat on on Thursday and then make that final decision right when. Uh, well, there's a week between. Thanksgiving and filing. So yes. that really is like, it's time, you know, I yeah. mean, you do have the two week filing period, yeah. but if you haven't made Most your decision, want to, want to have some clarity by the time filing starts of what they're going to do. So, and I think they're opponents too, right? I mean, if yeah. you're in the same party and you see, like we saw with Speaker Moore, when he was going to run for Congress last time, that, you know, you see how they, you're about to announce and then you're like, oh, no, wait, I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah. And then wait for another time. So, you know, someone could be getting wanting to go file and get in the race December 5th, and then December 4th, they find out when, or I don't remember which day filing starts, the 4th or 5th, fourth, the 4th, fourth, yeah. you know, on the 4th that um, someone else that they don't think they could beat, you yeah. know, got in. And we, we've just in the last couple of days, we've had lots of uh, more names coming out for congressional races. Uh, there's some murmurings and some news about legislative races, maybe some retirements that we can expect. So the next uh, two weeks or so is going to be a pretty uh, intense period because you're going to have a lot of uh, people confirming what their plans are, and it's going to shape up what the district, what the congressional races are going to look like, what how many open seats there are going to be in the in the House and Senate, the General Assembly. So, lots of lots of news to come. Well, let's turn from legislative and congressional races to Council of State, which is other than the governor and maybe lieutenant governor and attorney generals kind of a quiet governing body. They have these <laughs> monthly meetings. They cancel them half the time. The meetings are five minutes, and then they go around the table, and that's usually where the news is or whatever they say after. Uh, but Council of State, which isn't even a phrase that's in other states, mm -hmm. um, is really like a lot. It's the governor. Lieutenant governor is, um, that's, can, you know, it's that bully pulpit job. It looks like maybe Rachel Hunt is the Democratic front runner. We'll see on the Republican side, maybe Deanna Ballard, both of them, you know, have this reputation from, and the Senate with um, education being, yeah. being a big thing for him, for, for them, that might be, um, might be a big deal. Of course, the attorney general's race. Yeah. And then further down ballot, people, that are on Council of State that a lot of you know North Carolinians may not even realize are elected or exist as statewide roles. There's state auditor, which actually is very newsy this year, and insurance commissioner. So let's start first with incumbent insurance commissioner Mike Causey. I had just done with Avi another round of our roundup of who's running, yep. who's not, which always changes when people come and go. And Causey is in. He told me the other day that he had announced it already to supporters, I think, in Randolph County at an event. And he said he'll put out a formal announcement and release once he once the filing yep. period starts. But uh, Kyle, uh, tell listeners why Kazi has been a focus of attention lately. Yeah, we at the NNO have been doing a lot of reporting on Mike Kazi lately. Um, our colleague Dan Kane had a series of stories that came out a few weeks ago looking at how when Kazi came into office, he reshaped all of these regional districts that exist within the Department of Insurance 
gave a lot of the positions to political allies. Uh, one job was given to a political rival that appeared to be a make work job where the uh, employee himself said he did al almost nothing for several years, but collected a paycheck from the department. And um, most recently, Kazi fired three of the top fire officials in the Office of State Fire Management or Office of the State Fire Marshal, my apologies, um, because there has been this ongoing fight between the department and the legislature regarding the role of the state fire marshal. Um, since I believe the late 1940s in North Carolina, the insurance commissioner has always by right held the role of state fire marshal as well. But uh, there was a bill filed this legislative session to make that independent. And that kicked off this fight between Kazi and the legislature. It seems like it's less the agency in the legislature and my Kazi in the legislature, <laughs> which, you know, if people don't know, Kazi is a Republican yes. and the legislature is run by Republicans. Yes. So it's a within the party mm -hmm. fight, essentially. Well, that bill ended up going nowhere, but that similar language got put into the state budget. So it still ended up happening that now the state fire marshal is an independent job. Kazi himself has relished in that aspect of the insurance commissioner position. He's visited fire departments all across the state and made that an integral part of his campaigns. And now it's a role he can't hold anymore. So after that happened, he fired um, what was meant to be his replacement. Um, there was legislation spelling out who would become acting state fire marshal. And that uh, individual was fired by Kazi, but then later reinstated by legislation passed at the very end of the session. So okay. it's been a little... So um, also Auditor Beth Wood, who you've heard the long um, engaging saga over this past year. Um, last week, she was my headliner. We had a local government episode, and I mentioned that she said that she's actually resigning next month, not just not running again. We've got to take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about Beth Wood, some about Republican uh, gubernatorial primary candidate Bill Graham, and then move on to our picks for headliner of the week. We'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Vaughn here with Kyle Ingram and Bod Avi Bajpai from our, I almost like reversed her name yeah. for our, uh, <laughs> our politics team. And I'm Vaughn Don, you know, yeah. so yeah. it could go the same way, right? And <laughs> Ingram, Kyle. So if you're listening to this before you enjoy Thanksgiving, um, however you observe that with a large group, small group, turkey, whatever, or the week after, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we'll be taking uh, Thanksgiving week off. So this is your, your two-week um, jam-packed, stuffed full, if you will. Stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you like that? Yeah. yeah. And, um, election episode. So before the break, we're talking a little bit about Beth Wood. Um, Avi, quickly, where, where things stand with that role in the race? Yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning. That's one of the, there are several open council of state races on the ballot next year, which is, uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's, uh, doesn't happen every election cycle. Um, there are five candidates on the Republican side. There's one declared candidate on the Democratic side. Um, but also it's worth mentioning, you know, this, the Bethwood story has gone on this entire year. Um, but one of the recurring themes has been she, you know, up until whatever happened this year with, uh, you know, hit and run and all that stuff, her uh, alleged misuse of, the, uh, of her state car, she has still enjoyed a very sort of... Uh, She's highly regarded by people on both sides of the mm -hmm. aisle. And that's something we saw uh, at Council of State this past week. Um, uh, people going around, Council of State members, Treasurer Falwell, Attorney General Stein, some other people too, bipartisan, everyone wishing her well and saying they you know, uh, wanted to thank her for her service. So that's just an interesting undercurrent to all this. 
Um, you never really saw over the course of this past year too much too much criticism from uh, you know high ranking people in state government. Um, but anyways, we we're going to talk about uh, Bill Graham, who is one of the Republicans running for governor, and uh, you've been doing some reporting on Bill Graham. Yeah, we're talking about some down ballot things. Um, I think your you know ballot names are rearranged. You know, however, there's not an order, but. But as far as like name recognition, other than it's like Billy Graham without the Y, <laughs> Bill Graham does not have the name recognition on the in the Republican primary for governor that certainly Mark Robinson does, at least if you look at polling, if people pay attention to Dale Falwell's long service as treasurer, and then he's been in the legislature also. Bill Graham ran for governor before in the primary in 2008 and lost to McCrory, and then McCrory lost to, to Bev Perdue. But you know, the political world, you come and go and circle around again. So Graham is well known where he's from in Salisbury in Rowan County because he, of you know, he owns a lot of property there. And he's also on the board of trustees for Catawba College, which is this small private school. And what I had written about is looking at the property he owns while he was on the board of trustees. He obtained three, basically bought three properties from the college. Uh, the college says he, he didn't vote on it. He abstained from the vote, but it was still while he was in this leadership governing position on the school. And the way I say obtained and not necessarily all bought is because two of the properties were free and it was a land swap. So he had a uh, property, a two-story house near campus that was upfitted into a small residence hall and they, in turn, traded to pretty modest, um, I'd say smaller than a ranch house that he has. And his campaign said that he turns the, the income from these properties over to the college. But, you know, this is a private school that makes it a little bit different. If it's public, the trustees aren't apported, uh, um, appointed by the legislature. The taxpayer money, obviously, there's not. it's not a taxpayer-funded public school. They don't have to provide public records, right, that yeah. I could request or anything. And it took a while to get the a lot of responses. I gave them a lot of time. I gave Catawba College uh, a lot of time, I mean, at least a week, several days of back and forth in Graham's campaign to talk about and explain what this was, you know, and then, of course, you know, included comments from, from others on, you know, what does this mean? Like, you're running to be the the face of the state, really, and you own properties and got a deal while you were on a governing board for college, and you need to explain that. So that's basically what this what the story was. We will move on to our picks for headliner of the week. Kyle, who or what is your headliner of the week? So one of our favorite press corps colleagues, uh, Hannah Schoenbaum from the Associated Press, is uh, unfortunately leaving North Carolina, so we're going to miss her a lot, but she is going to cover state government in Utah as the AP state government reporter. So we'll miss you, Hannah, but good luck. All right. Um, and Avi, who or what is your headliner of the week? I'll, you know, I actually already know what it is, yeah. but y'all listening don't know, but it'll be fun for the, the audio part of this. And it is uh, about Council of State and what happened this after is, from a what different press corps colleague yes. of ours, this question. Yeah, yeah this is something that uh, everyone listening out there can practice when they're at home <laughs> with their families uh, for Thanksgiving. But my headliner is uh, realizing uh, that Everyone in North Carolina politics, perhaps everyone in the in the press corps, has been mispronouncing Governor Cooper's mm -hmm. name for quite a long time. Uh, we found out this week that uh, Governor Cooper 
back in Nash County where he's from. Originally, his pronunciation of his last name is not Cooper. It's more like Copper. Cooper. 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 It's something that we're still struggling with. His guidance um, was to say the word foot yeah. and then pronounce Coop the way but, you But our, that. Our, our press corps colleague, Travis Fade of WRL, yeah. who, who wrote about this and talked to posed this question to the governor. Um, he actually, I think he had better guidance. He said it okay. rhymes with cooker. So yeah. that's what I've, that's what I've been doing. Cooper. Just, just keep saying cooker, <laughs> cooper. Cooper. So we are talking in the NNO newsroom um, when the politics team is all here, we like to, to joke around and have some fun together. And we are all trying different ways. And my, my attempt, suddenly I changed it to like, it's a Boston accent or it's Koopa. <laughs> yeah. And like, so I definitely can't do it. But Kyle know. reminded us that it's not a soft R. So. Yeah. <laughs> Koopa. I mean, that sounds, you know, that sounds more fun, I guess. And the thing is, I mean, Roy Cooper, he, that's how he says his name. Yeah. He doesn't say, by the way, I'm Governor Cooper. Cooper, yeah. Cooper, Cooper All right, my headliner of the week is um, what's top of mind, to use a phrase that everyone in Paul likes saying about um, about high-profile thoughts, I guess. Um, and that's Thanksgiving. So um, thankful for uh, my politics team colli- colleagues, Kyle and Avi and Luciana and Corey, our editor Jordan, our podcast producers, Laura Brache and Kevin Keister, who are behind the scenes that you don't uh, always see, and everyone that's um, Caitlin McEwen, who is, is also one of our um, uh, video journalists and, and everyone involved in this. So anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And again, you'll hear from us um, a little bit later, just in time to talk more about candidates filing. Mm-hmm. So we'll um, talk to you soon. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, for I'm Don Vaughn for Avi Bajpai, Kyle Ingram, News and Observer. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.